Welcome to The Wondering Mind, a podcast where we have candid conversations in hopes to break mental health stigmas and normalize speaking up about our mental health. Through this podcast, we will connect you to a diverse range of folks from all around the world who have struggled with their mental health, but have learned to weather through the storm. By listening to their stories, you may begin to feel empowered, less alone, and you may discover new ways that will help you navigate through your own mental health struggles. So sit back, relax, and remember, everyone's story matters. Want to know of a quick and easy way that you can help support the Wondering Mind podcast? Head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating or review to let us know what you think of the show, what we could do better, or what you'd like to see from us. It would mean so much. It's free and it only takes just a few minutes. Thank you so much for your support. Are you having a hard time finding a good therapist for you? Matcha Health is the best match in healthcare. They believe in a future where you can be more open with your therapists and doctors, where you can look forward to seeing them because you know and feel that they care about you, and that no matter what insurance you have, you can find someone quickly and that you can have a long-lasting relationship with. Matcha's mission is to eliminate the shopping around for a therapist experience. They use data, science, and personality tests to match and create the most successful relationship seen in healthcare. They make it a point to create a diverse and vibrant space for people and providers to grow and a place where you can find help at any time in your healthcare journey. For a free first session, Use code YAY000 at checkout when you visit www.machahealth.io. Welcome to the Wondering Mind podcast. I'm your host, Emily Elizabeth. Joining me today, I have Tanya Lesnick, and she's going to talk to us about a few different things today. Uh, one of which is the importance of group therapy and how being vulnerable through those types of settings can really help your healing process. And she is a LCSW and you've been a licensed clinical social worker for quite a long time. So I would love to hear more about why you got into the field as well, but thank you for joining me today. I'm so happy to have you. Thank you, Emily. I'm really happy to be here. And uh, yeah, I've been doing this work for almost three decades, just over 27 years now, probably about 27 and a half years, actually. So heading towards 28. So it's been a while. So it was a real pivotal moment in my life coming into this career. In my 20s, I was struggling to have a long-term love relationship. And I was a graphic designer at the time. And I wasn't sure how to understand better what was going on with me. 
at first the idea of therapy felt like not the right idea. I felt a lot of stigma connected to therapy and I kind of dismissed my own problems, telling myself they weren't legitimate enough. So I wouldn't be the right candidate for therapy. So I continued on a path that just wasn't fulfilling for me for a while. And then I guess when the pain was enough, I, I finally decided, you know what, I'm going to try it because if it helps, then it will be worth it to me for me to connect, have a long-term love relationship. I wanted to have children. I knew I wanted to move in that direction and decided I would do whatever it took to start to figure that out. So I got a few names. I connected to a therapist named Bonnie who immediately helped me feel safe. And I could start to share some of my stories and some of my worries. I think I went into that situation feeling flawed and really worrying. Maybe there is something unlovable about me. Maybe that's the explanation. And so starting the process helped me feel seen, more human, and this therapist suggested I add group therapy to the mix pretty early on. And she ran both. She did the individual work and the group work. And the thought of it terrified me. I was like, I am not going to be sharing this vulnerable stuff with a room full of strangers was my first reaction. And certainly a re reaction I'm very familiar with when I talk to my clients about exploring group. But I did trust this therapist. I was building some trust with her and she thought it was going to be helpful. And I was kind of intrigued. I mean, the thought of connecting to people on that level, even though it scared me, felt like, I don't know, there could be something appealing about it as relationships built. So I had that little bit of a seed and went forward with it. And it was in that experience, really combining the two, because I would go to the group and then stuff would come up and I would realize I felt shy or I didn't feel safe having a voice. And I would process some of that with my therapist and then go back into the group situation, feeling a little bit more clear about what I wanted to talk about in group that would help me continue to grow. But there's something about being on your own personal growth journey with other people on their own personal growth journeys. And when people start to be vulnerable with each other and share their inner worlds with each other, that led to such a transformation that I ended up, well, first of all, I ended up meeting my husband pretty early on. So I went to this group experience hoping to heal that part of myself. And I really did. It helped me shift and have more confidence and realize I was looking for somebody that I could feel connected with. Whereas prior to that, I was like, oh, I hope he'll like me. I hope he'll like me. And it was such an insecure place that I had been coming from. So I met my husband early on. He and I just celebrated our 30th wedding anniversary wow. in September. Yeah. So that happened. We have two grown daughters. What I wanted happened, but what I didn't anticipate was connecting to myself. 
learning how to love myself, learning I had needs and how to express needs and being true to myself, starting to identify what that even meant. All of that came out of it. So that's when I decided to go back to school, get my master's in social work, become a therapist. And then later I added coaching as something that I also included in the work that I do and dedicated my own life to helping others have transformational experiences of their own so that they could connect to themselves in sort of a, a honest way that in my mind is the most fulfilling way to live life. I think that's so cool that you started out your healing and mental health journey with this incredible therapist and you're basically reciprocating and giving back in the same way that she gave to you. I think that's so beautiful to have it come full 360. It is wild to just go through the experience. And unfortunately, she's passed away because I did look her up sort of recently. I've connected with her periodically over the years, but that experience lives inside of me and sort of what kind of came up and changed in me. I do still think sometimes some of those pivotal moments of discovery really as I was going through my own journey so yeah there is a wish almost to say oh my gosh you know like that was such a huge moment in my life and I sort of knew it but not to the level that I know it now looking back and seeing all the different things that sort of changed from that pivotal moment a lot of people, they go through therapy and they have those aha moments or those spiritual or mental health awakenings, if you will, but they don't necessarily feel called upon to reciprocate and actually make it their career and really try to help others through the same process. So the fact that you did that, that she had such an impact and that you were able to effectively grow through that process of starting therapy individually and then through group therapy is just a really cool like story to hear it's just such a neat outcome thank you yeah so what was that experience like in group therapy because let's let we got to talk about this a little bit because (laughs) so many people I feel like they kind of revert or default when they hear group therapy to like AA type of Mm -hmm. environments. And also it can be extremely intimidating. Like you said, it's one thing to be vulnerable with one person, but to be in a group of people and share the weird parts of yourself or the uncomfortable parts of yourself or the things that you feel make you crazy to a group of individuals and for fear of being judged, that, that could be really scary. So How are you able to, aside from actually going back to your therapist and using her as a resource, how are you able to, in those moments, kind of push through and get through that? Well, it started out even more difficult than I anticipated in a way (laughs) because my therapist didn't introduce me to the group, which was to me, like I run groups, I always introduce people. So it was just bizarre to me that I'm sitting in this group I'm not being introduced. They're kind of picking up these conversations from the middle because they already know each other. And so I'm feeling, I I sort of come into the picture feeling shy. I'm feeling even more shy, more uncomfortable, just awkward. And 
so Bonnie at the end of this first group did finally say, Tanya, why are you being so quiet? So that was an in for me. At first I was annoyed at her. Like, yeah. why would she not introduce me? But I think I always came from this place of what can I grow from here? What can I learn here? And from that experience, it was clear to me that she was pushing me to have my own voice. What would that look like? And it did push me to realize she wasn't going to hold my hand, that it was up to me to jump in and speak up a little bit more. And so that was uncomfortable, but knowing that I wasn't going to get in given to me, that it was up to me to kind of have some volume literally and figuratively, like to jump in and say some things. But even as I say that, I don't run groups that way. So I definitely do help people a little bit more along. But the more somebody can have their own voice and touch on that uncomfortable stuff, the better. And I think there was something about knowing how much I wanted to change and grow from the experience, that it helped me tolerate some of the discomfort, because I think I must have had some level of awareness that if I didn't push to do some of those uncomfortable things, I could very easily sit in the background, not say much, and sort of get by, but I wouldn't grow from the experience. So I think that awareness just helped me move forward and grow from the experience. But I know that it brings up a lot of fear for so many of us. I talk to my clients that I work with individually about doing group, and there's usually a period of, uh-uh, not me, I'm not doing that. And a little bit of, that's not for me, that's not going to meet my needs. And then with some time when somebody does adjust and decide to do it, then I get the opposite, which is, okay, now I get it. But it it's a tricky experience. No, it definitely is because it can bring up a lot of things. Even just thinking about going to group therapy can bring up a lot of things for people, let alone being there and yeah. sitting there and not knowing how to react or what to say. And I think people too have this kind of feeling where if they go to group therapy, they could be easily triggered by someone else's story. So they would rather avoid it instead of kind mm -hmm. of work through that in itself. There's lots of different things, but I think you're right when you say you had this feeling within you that you knew that if you could just push past the uncomfortable growth would come, good things would come. And, mm -hmm. you know, you could have just sat there and, and stayed quiet, but what, what good would that have done? It's like, you're already right. there, you know, you yeah. might as well do something about it instead of just sit there awkwardly. But it, yeah, it can be really tricky and difficult for, for some people. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I think what you were saying about possibly getting triggered by other stories, mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of things that people think are not going to be helpful with group, like not even if they're triggered, but just listening to other stories. Sometimes people don't understand that there is growth behind that. And it's not like you sit quietly and wait for your turn. There are stuff that comes up for each of us as we're hearing ourselves 
in somebody else's story. It's in that kind of touching on things that if we were going into an individual session, we wouldn't even know to bring into the session because we're not necessarily connected to all the different layers that we have in us. But when we hear somebody else and something really resonates, those are some of those aha moments of like, oh yeah, I totally relate to that. And then start to unwind certain parts of ourselves that we didn't even know were having an impact on us. And that's part of the power of group. Yeah. The power of storytelling too. And just like connecting on that level. Mm -hmm. And I think that's such a cool concept and aspect of it is you're sitting there and you're hearing other people tell their stories or share their experiences. And you, at first you may not think anything of it. And then something will kind of like hit you and you're like, wait a minute, I resonate with that. I really, you yeah. know, can, can relate. And then it, like you said, it brings up other things that if, you know, otherwise you may not have even put at the forefront of, you know, your to-do list when it comes to therapy and working through things. So yeah, I think that's pretty remarkable how powerful storytelling can be just by being vulnerable and sharing your experiences. But for some reason, and I don't know if you can touch upon this, it's just so hard for folks to get to that point. Yeah, I think there is this resistance to having to Mm -hmm. go through that discomfort. I think maybe if people are not fully understanding that although there's some discomfort in that of being vulnerable and sharing with other people, that is where growth and transformation live. So if you can do it and move forward that way, you're going to be able to make lasting change. And I think the more people can understand that, the more they can go into this situation tolerating some of this discomfort. But I think there's a lack of understanding really of what group is. And that's part of my hope is to help people understand that this is not, oh, we're going to put people together together because somehow we can just meet with more people at once. And I think Mm -hmm. sometimes people feel like that's more of a convenience for the therapist or something like that, or coach and not realizing, oh no, you get more from that. There's actually a synergistic thing that happens that will bring you towards more lasting growth and change in that experience. So That's a really good point you brought up. Something I didn't even think about is people thinking, oh, it's just another way for therapists to, but you would think that that would actually make it harder on the therapist, right? So why would they, why would they actually want to do that if they knew that it wasn't going to be beneficial? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Just thinking of the fear and the resistance, part Mm -hmm. of that is feeling like, oh, it's going to waste their time to listen to other people's story. And I think there's also, So this idea that if the attention's not on them directly, they won't move through their issues as quickly. Mm -hmm. And I think that's also not true because you will touch on all these layers in different ways. So, yeah. Yeah. I really like too, that you brought up that even though while you were doing group therapy, you were also still an individual therapy. And I think that people can also utilize that as an option because like you said before, things are going to come up that you might not even considered in group therapy. And then for you to be concerned about not getting that individual time 
well, keeping an individual therapist and doing that separately and maybe taking notes during groups so that you can remember and go back to your therapist and be like, this is what came up for me in group therapy. I would really love to kind of dive into this further. That's doing even more work that can be even more beneficial. So you're like doing it at both ends of the spectrum and kind of tackling it in two different ways. Yeah. Yeah. And even to piggyback on what you're saying about that is as a therapist or coach, having a shared experience with your client, right? Mm -hmm. It's not that the client has had this group experience. I mean, obviously this is for the people where I see them um, in both ways. I don't do that with everybody, but for those that opt for that, then we've had this shared experience. So that person can say, this is what came up for me. And I can say, I was witnessing what happened. And this is what I saw reflected back as you were speaking or something like that, Mm -hmm. but just feedback about what it was like to see my client in that space. And it's very different to see my clients in social settings than it is for them to tell me about how they show up in social settings. Like I can actually give them more feedback, reflect more back to them. And it can be just that piece also can bring some more weight to their um, journey. Yeah, absolutely. So there was also one other thing that you brought up in the beginning of our conversation when it comes to group therapy, and it was something pertaining to your personal journey. And you said, one of the things that you wanted to work on was your relationships and finding like a love relationship. So how did group therapy help you work through that resistance or that issue that you were having with communication or or vulnerability or relationships? Cause you know, you're in a group setting, so you're with a bunch of other people. So I can only assume that it would help strengthen your ability to connect, but how did that actually show up and happen for you? Yeah. I love that question. Well, like I said earlier, coming into that feeling very flawed, right? And worrying that I was unlovable. And so I go into this experience and start to realize I'm not unlovable. I'm not flawed. I'm human. And I can see that by people that I admire sharing some similar insecurities to the ones that I have. So that was part of it. I was able to talk and share and people would respond to what I had to say. And that was reflected back to me. And so that was part of it. Having multiple people respond to parts of me helped me hear it because when multiple people are telling you the same thing, then it does carry some more weight. So all those different layers helped me connect to myself. So I think what was happening prior to group is I was showing up in potential situations where I might meet a partner, but I was trying to curate the version of myself that I was showing them. And so I wasn't really present. I was busy being engaged in strategy the whole time. What's the best part of me to show? How can I show up in this way? How can I make myself as attractive as possible? All these things about me trying to hide that I was imperfect and maybe unlovable, but maybe I can hide that. So I wasn't fully present. I didn't show up energetically from a place where when you really are present and like 
connected to who you are as a person, honoring yourself, energetically, that looks different too. So I think as I started to realize I wasn't flawed and I was human and that I shared so much in common with people that I admire, I went on this like leap of faith, like, I'm okay, I'm okay the way I show up. And I think that energetically impacted how people received me. Because during that period of my life, I did notice not just men, but that people in general were gravitating more towards me. Like I had a little bit more confidence as I was showing up. And so I think as people started to gravitate towards me, my confidence grew from that as well. And I know I went into at that period of meeting different men in my life during that time and starting to change the question. So it used to be, would they like me? And what do I have to show them to make sure they like me? And it changed to, huh, who do I think is a good fit for me? Who do I like? Who do I feel connected to? Would that person be a good enough partner to take it to the next steps? Those kinds of questions. And I dated a few people around the time I met my husband. And it was very clear to me, like kind of, yes, this person has some potential. No, this person doesn't. And it was just a very different experience than prior to having done the group. I resonate with everything that you just said. I went through a similar experience. Well, honestly, (laughs) up until um, like last year, to be quite honest, where I was not dating or connecting with people from a place of authenticity. It was more of exactly what you were saying of a place of people pleasing, really, where, Mm -hmm. you know, how can I conform to make this person like me or in a place of insecurity as well. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. your journey for healing is different from mine, but we kind of came out with a similar concept and self-awareness of in order to build satisfactory and healthy relationships, you have to first build that relationship with yourself and realize you know, what, what do I want? You know, what makes Mm -hmm. me happy? What makes me feel like my most authentic self? And a lot of anxiety would show up in the past for me. And then I started to question, well, why is that? And it was because I was doing exactly what you were explaining. I was putting on that facade and trying to show only the best sides of me, which was then in turn, creating the anxiety from hiding the rest of myself. Yeah. The parts that I felt were flawed or imperfect or that someone wouldn't like, But it's like, once you, you kind of explained it, like once you get to that point where you're like, I released that Mm -hmm. after having those conversations that you did in group therapy and realizing that everyone kind of goes through these things and has these similar thoughts about themselves. You're like, oh, (laughs) wait, there's literally no such thing as perfection. Nobody's perfect. Why am I holding all these other people, let alone myself to these high standards when they don't even really exist? Yeah. And then it yeah. just, you said like everything just becomes more clear and you can finally kind of guide yourself towards the people that are better for you. And like you said, they'll mm-hmm. start to gravitate towards you as well. Yeah. 
Yeah. And even as you're saying that, I remember part of my story even is <laughs> the second group session that I went to now that I had introduced myself at the very end of the prior session, I was explaining to people why I was there, but trying to do it from a place of like, you know, I'm cool. This isn't really like a big deal because I think I was so worried that if people knew how much I was longing for a love relationship, they would realize how flawed I was. And they would look at me and say, oh, I get it. Yeah, of course, you're unlovable. That's why, you know, that was the fear. And so I was trying to be real cool in my presentation. And then one of the guys in group said, oh, I could spot your neediness right away, immediately. And that kind of freaked me out. That was my biggest fear, right? That somebody right. would say something like that or see something like that. But there was something in tolerating the discomfort of that, kind of realizing my efforts to hide it weren't effective and to, to kind of survive that and then own what I wanted. Because I think I had some fear too to own that I really wanted this long-term love relationship, that if I said it loud enough, then it I couldn't be cool about it anymore. Like I couldn't be like, oh, I'm like neutral about this because I wasn't. <laughs> and so, yeah, there was something about being called out in this way that <laughs> was really like the last thing I thought I could tolerate. There was that part of me that wanted to run out of that room when that happened. But then it really did help me like the worst thing happened and then turn that around. So, yeah. That's pretty cool. Cause I think a lot of people too, they're scared of that. They're scared of yeah. being in an environment where if they're sharing their most vulnerable parts of themselves or of their stories, that someone's going to call them out. But I like that you said you kind of owned that and worked through that and survived that. And then that builds that confidence that you in turn needed to build your relationships and find that love relationship that you wanted. So it's kind of like he almost shoved you in the right direction, just right, in a really right. uncomfortable way in a way you didn't want, but usually that's how yes. it happens. Right. Right. So. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, our discomfort can be such amazing teachers for mm -hmm. us because it's in those places where we're probably the most defended and the most sort of protective of ourselves. And if we can trust that lifting some of those layers is safe enough to do, and there's got to be, I think, a level of safety in what environment that yeah. you might try to do that in. And so in the groups that I run, like creating a space where it is safe to be vulnerable is such a big part of it. And even though that was really uncomfortable during the time that I went through that, I did feel a level of safety in that space also. So it was... Yeah, it, it can be a tricky journey, but yeah, with the growth, it's life-changing. So yeah. yeah, you're kind of encouraging me to explore group therapy. I'm not even kidding because it's something that in the beginning of our conversation, you were saying, you know, people were like, oh, you know, that's, that's not for me. I don't necessarily need that. But actually the more I'm hearing you talk about this. I'm just like, this is something that I never, ever would have considered. And it's quite fascinating because it's like, just, you know, having a dialogue can be so monumental to your growth, but doing it in a room with multiple people in a safe environment, 
moderated, if you will, by a professional therapist. I mean, that's actually kind of fascinating to me now. Yeah. <laughs> now that I've learned more about it because we really don't talk much about group therapy. I really have not heard much about it at all. So yeah. 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 And I've been talking about it quite a bit as I've been guesting on podcasts and I'm getting similar feedback to yours as well. A lot of people have said the same thing that it doesn't seem to get talked about. And there's lots of different ways that people run groups. So I can't say that every group is um, sort of having that similar kind of situation or growth opportunity. It's Mm -hmm. got to be created that way. I think Mm -hmm. in some groups, it's it's very easy to disappear. It's very easy to retreat. In the groups that I do, I push for a lot of conversation about growth and what's going on with people's processes. Definitely the whole resonance piece is something that I go at very directly because I think it's in those moments of resonance where most of the growth happens. And so I'm asking for it in each group session. What is coming up for you? What is, yeah, touching on something in, I was going to say intense. That's not always the way it could be sometimes, but what, what feels like it's touching on something in you coming up the most, I guess for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That brings me to a question that I didn't even think of. Um, so with individual therapy, a lot of people have anxiety around therapist shopping, if you will, or finding a therapist, going to a few sessions and then realizing, Ooh, this is not the greatest fit for me. And they have difficulties kind of speaking up and saying, you know, Hey, like we're just not a good fit. I'm going to try and find something else. So with group therapy, it's perfectly fine to do that too. You know, it's kind of like a trial and error thing too. Cause just what you were saying, you may go to a certain group therapy session and, go maybe a few times and then realize, you know, this isn't for me, I'm going to try something else. How do you navigate that? Because I feel like with group therapy, it might be a little trickier to determine whether or not it's good for you Mm -hmm. because there's just so much more that comes with that than individualistic therapy. How would you, what would be your advice for trying to navigate whether a group therapy session is good fit for you or not? Yeah, it's an interesting question because I know even in my offerings, I am now asking people to make a six month commitment. My groups run every other week. So I ask people to make a commitment now, which is new for me. That's Mm -hmm. kind of a new way that I've structured it. Um, But I think part of my reasoning behind structuring it that way is the only way out is through. And so if somebody has stuff come up, it's going to be so much more transformative if they work on what comes up than if they say, see, this isn't great. I'm out of here. Mm -hmm. Although I do understand what you're saying about fit. I let people sort of meet me first and granted that's like a quick meeting and they can't necessarily know start to finish that. Okay. I feel a good connection to her group's going to work 
work for me. There is some leap of faith. I think like we talked a little bit about earlier, there definitely is some leap of faith in there. And for some people who run groups, maybe there is a little bit more of that freedom to try, see how it feels and not do it. But I definitely have had in just in my work with groups, some people that have opted not to do it because it brought up some discomfort. And just being from my perspective, feeling like they were doing themselves a disservice because they weren't realizing that that discomfort is going to be helpful with their growth. And so, yeah, I mean, I hear you though, because I also do really value fit. And I think that's really important as well. And I think maybe to continue and, and be as open as possible about what feels like it's working and what isn't feeling like it's working. My guess is, is if somebody can talk through some of that and trust that they can work on that, that's going to be huge and powerful and really helpful. I always think of group as like, excuse me, like a microcosm of life outside of group. So if stuff comes up and somebody feels like, nope, nope, I'm out of here. It would be interesting to know what is that similar to? Is there a pattern where maybe you think you're all in and then all out or where it's hard to really go into the unknown with it or what can you talk about discomfort, all of that. So I think that there's just so much growth even in the discomfort. So there's really no like concrete answer, but I think I love your approach of doing six months and at least dedicating that and seeing how it goes. And I also love the fact that you brought up and even with individual therapy, because people can kind of dip out of that too soon also quite easily Mm -hmm. when they get uncomfortable or when something hits them and they're like, I'm not ready to talk about this, but I love how you made the point quite a few times in this conversation of when you get to that point of discomfort, that's when you know you need to work through it and push past Mm -hmm. it because that's where the healing lies on the other side of that. That's the whole point of going into these spaces is to feel that discomfort and work through it so that Mm -hmm. when it happens again, you can navigate it better on your own, but people shy away from that too quickly. So I think, yeah, I really love your approach of giving it a chance And I also like the approach of giving the people the opportunity to meet you first. And I think I would assume or hope that most therapists that hold group therapy sessions would do the same thing. Cause I think that is a good determining factor of whether or not something would be a good fit for you. Cause I mean, if that's the person who's going to kind of be running the show a little bit, having a feeling of safety with them, a slight connection with them, feeling of comfort is important. So I think those were great answers. Yeah. Yeah. And also I run some in-person like weekend retreats. So if somebody, Mm -hmm. I'm in the New York area. So if somebody is close enough by, actually we have one going the beginning of April, but close enough by and debating about group it's sort of a, in a way, a smaller commitment, right? It's just a weekend, but it's also a little bit deeper than the group. So it's like, Mm -hmm. you can have this experience. And then if you realize, okay, I can see where I'm growing from this weekend, I want to commit to a little bit more, could be a way to do it for some people. There's a lots of ways in, and probably there are people who are continuing to 
run group and let you decide as you go along whether or not it's a good fit for you. And and maybe that's the way to go if you're feeling very iffy about it or not. I mean, maybe having sort of a commitment in there right. is what's going to support you doing what you are maybe going to benefit most from. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I really, really enjoyed this conversation and I'm actually quite motivated now to look up within my area, some group therapy. And also I love that you brought up the retreat aspect. And I think that's a really good pathway or stepping stone into potentially joining group therapy. It's kind of like a little taste of what it would be like, or maybe just engaging in some of those retreats as they come up within whomever's community is a good way to kind of get your feet wet. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on and and talking a little bit about your story and also about the importance of vulnerability in group therapy. Yeah. Well, thank you, Emily. And I'm excited that it's inspiring you because I do always feel like, oh, you're going to have this experience and it's going to, like, I know we were talking about the discomfort and the growth, but the other piece of it is you get people who become like your people and they're the connection that grows out of sharing these like inner places with each other is amazing. And then we also celebrate each other. We have accountability, but then as we start to take these steps, we know each other so well that the celebration of like, oh my God, you did it, whatever that might be for each of us to have that seen and celebrated and honored is so helpful and it just helps in sort of this healing path moving forward. So I'm excited for you. Thank you. I'll keep you posted because I really, I really am excited because just in having these conversations on the podcast, you know, or having conversations, little blips of vulnerability within, you know, my community, when I meet people, it, it is a different kind of connection and a different kind of conversation. And it can also, you know, and no, it's not therapy, but it can also help you start to think about certain things within your own life. So being able to do that in a therapeutic setup setting with people who are there to do the same thing. I mean, I can only imagine just from hearing what you've said and also just assuming how powerful that would be. Yeah. It's like a whole different type of energy and healing that takes place. And I would love to experience that. I can't Yay. lie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited. So, yeah. Um, Cause I've done individual therapy for consistently. I did it for the past two, two and a half years. And then I actually am not in therapy right now, but I've been debating whether like, do I want to go back to individual therapy? Do I want to, you know, kind of figuring out what I want to do and what's best for me. And now actually after having this conversation, I'm like, okay, um, I might do group therapy (laughs) because last year, one of the new year's goals, if you will, was to do healthy things that scare me. And Mm. I did so many of them last year. And so I want to just continue doing that. And this is like, of like, I have a like light going off right now. Like group therapy, group therapy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And actually I'm just thinking as you're saying that too, that's also Mm -hmm. an example of when you connect to whatever's resonating with you, 
that's how you learn because you went into this conversation. I don't think having made that decision, but like not at all. there's something resonating within you and it's just listening to that. And I love that so much. <laughs> well, thank you again so much for coming on and talking about this with me. And I also have to give a shout out to the listeners because without them, there would be no show. So thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Wondering Mind podcast. Until next time, maintain your brain and keep on wondering. Mm, love it.